Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I was thinking about where we would go today, transitioning out of legacy into the holiday season, into Thanksgiving and and all of that. And I I just, I had this thing stirring in my heart and I was trying to figure out how do you communicate, get everybody on the same page with where you're headed and what you're thinking and what God's putting on your heart. And so I thought the greatest way to set the tone for our conversation today with the time that we have left is to share a couple of stories. Are y'all good with that? Can I share a couple of stories? Listen close, I'm gonna read these to us. My grandma spent a whole year a whole year knitting me, my brother, and my sister sweaters. They were very nice sweaters, and they were in our favorite colors. And my brother looked at his and said, why would you waste your time making this? I don't even wear sweaters. I'm more of a hoodie guy. Hmm. Here's another one. Early morning cardiac arrest call. This is a paramedic. We worked on this guy furiously. We got a pulse back. Everything went right. It was a good call. Guy gets into the cath lab right away and walks out of the hospital alive a couple of weeks later. Then his wife sends us a bill for carpet cleaning saying that we tracked in mud on her carpet when we were saving her husband's life. I'll just let that sit right there for a second. I built my stepson a gaming computer. I spent four months saving and buying parts for it one at a time. I helped him set it up and got some games loaded up on it for him so that we could game together and bond some. I mean, that's a good stepfather. As soon as I had it all set up, he told me to get out of his room and close the door. This year for Valentine's Day, my brother-in-law decided to make a weekend of it in Vegas for his wife. Come on. He booked a suite at the Rio, couples massages, two really fancy dinners, VIP seating at one of the clubs, the whole nine yards. His wife finds out about the whole thing and decides that she wants to make a girl's weekend of it instead. So on Valentine's Day, just as my brother-in-law is getting ready to take his wife out, she tells him that she canceled everything but the room and the VIP club seating and that he should just stay home with their kid because her and her friends are spending the weekend in the room and he's not invited. Hmm. 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 How many of you know the, the phone number to your credit card company? I'm about to fix this real quick. Last one. One of my friends received a car, a car for their 18th birthday from their grandparents. A free car. Their response was to break down in tears, saying how much they hated it because it was an old man car, and then absolutely refused to drive it later. Is is this real? Like, do people really do this? Do they, some of you are like, uh-huh, don't point to anybody. This is church. 
don't point to anybody. How many of you would like your kids to hang around some of those people? Mm-mm, not at all. I don't know what's worse, these stories actually being real or not being surprised that this level of ungratefulness exists in our world today. How many of you say, Pastor Don, I'm not surprised. It hurts me to hear you say those stories, but I'm not, I'm not surprised with that ungratefulness. Now, before you're, you're quick to elbow your neighbor or call somebody out, let me just help you. They may not know that they're being ungrateful. They might not. Nobody may have told them. We call that home training in my house. They may not have had that home training. How many of you grew up with some home training? In the they, they may not know. And then here's the second thing I need you to know. You might be closer to that than you think. You, you might be closer to ungratefulness than you think. I'm often amazed at how I can read scripture. Some of these things that were written hundreds and thousands of years ago and yet read them as if they were written about our society today. Have you ever come across a passage and you're like, is he talking about, about New Iberia right now? Because I just went to Bilo and there was somebody like, there was just, okay, listen. 2 Timothy chapter three, Paul wrote this 1900 and almost 60 years ago, and I want us to make a checklist for our society today. Listen, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, check. Lovers of money, check. Proud, arrogant, abusive, I'm telling you, 1900 years ago. Disobedient to their parents, check, 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 check. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, check, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power in something you parents know intuitively, Paul tried to tell that church and told Timothy specifically, avoid such people. And anyone that would tell you that scripture is not relevant to us today hasn't read it. The word of God is so very relevant to us today. What a list, but before we take it down, did you catch what was right in the middle of all of that? I underlined it for you. What does it say? Ungrateful. Ungrateful. What does it mean to be ungrateful? Let's, let's define ungrateful by defining what grateful means means, here's what the dictionary would tell you, grateful is a feeling or a showing, an appreciation of kindness, and here's a great word for you to know, thankful, thankful. That's what it means to be grateful. Is it important, my question for you today, is it important for us to be thankful? Why is thankfulness and gratefulness so important in our lives? I'm gonna spend the rest of our time talking about thankfulness and gratefulness today because I think it's important. And here's the truth. Paul did too. 50 times in scripture, Paul writes about being thankful and being grateful. Now you got to understand this. Paul writes 14 letters, 14 books in your New Testament. And 50 times in those 14 letters, 
He is saying, you need to be grateful. You need to be thankful. Here's the things that are going on. The book of Colossians itself has one of those you need to be thankfuls in every single chapter. And if you think that's impressive, I've spent every year of my parenting life trying to make sure my kids understand. You need to be thankful. You need to be thankful. You need to be thankful. Y'all help my oldest son on the front row. You need to be thankful. And the truth is, he is the most grateful and thankful of all my children. I'm hoping the others will catch on um, as well. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It's Paul, the church of Thessalonica. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give what? Thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God, what am I here on earth to do? What is your plan for me? What should I accomplish in my life? What did you put me on this earth for? What is your will for my life? It is right here in plain English. In everything, give thanks. You say, well, Pastor Don, scripture wasn't written in English, it was actually written in Greek. Got you covered. The Greek word for everything right there. You want to know what it means? Let me help you. Everything. <laughs> I know. You don't have to go to seminary to get a college degree in Greek here. You can learn about as much as I do. You'll look at scripture and it will still be Greek to you. But everything give thanks means everything give thanks. Your job, give thanks. Your spouse, give thanks. Your kids, give thanks. That neighbor, give thanks. The weather, how many of you are appreciative for cool weather, gumbo weather? Mama cooked some smothered pork chops last night. I can't wait to be done with this because I'm going to go eat some more of it when I get home. You got to be thankful even for sugar cane tractors and random ash falling from the sky. Somebody, (laughs) praise God, praise God. For Christians, being thankful and showing appreciation isn't something that we just reserve for this season of the year. It is something that should be a part, must become part of our lives if we wanna fulfill God's plan for you. How many of you wanna fulfill God's plan for your life? I'm gonna help you today. It's gonna involve thankfulness. It's gonna involve gratefulness or you're gonna miss it. You're going to miss it. Here's here's the reality of what I can assure you about every single one of those stories we talked about, every single one of those ungrateful people that we described earlier. You ready? Here's what I can assure you about every single one of them. You don't begin at ungrateful. You arrive there. You arrive there. You don't just wake up one day, boom, ungrateful. You arrive there. There's there's a process. It's It's a progression. It's a slippery slope. Say that with me. Slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. A series of things happen along the way, and one day you're there. I told you earlier, you may not even realize how close you are to being ungrateful. But here's the next thing I would tell you. You don't begin at ungrateful, and you don't stop there either. It's not a destination. It's a, it's a gateway. You, you blow right by it. It's, it's not the finish line. It's, it's a gateway to something worse. Pastor Don, what could possibly be worse than being ungrateful. Romans chapter one is one of those chapters, a phenomenal chapter where Paul takes an opportunity, he writes to the church, he's illustrating a very long and disturbing list of sinful behavior and sinful practices that existed in first century Rome. And he's writing this to them. And I'm telling you, it's one of those when you read it, it's like he's talking to us. It's like he's talking 
to us. He unpacks this. It's a downward, downward spiral of sin until finally God just says, I'm gonna take my hands off of that. What could be worse than being ungrateful? What if God removed his hands completely from you? Look at this, Romans chapter one, verse 19. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Listen to me, church. Anyone who tells you that there is no God is having to intentionally suppress their own heart in order to deny that truth. Make no mistake. They may say that, they may believe that, but there is something inside of their heart, instinctively put there by God that says, I am real, I exist, you can see me in everything you do, and they have a habit of suppressing that over and over again, and they've convinced themselves that there is no God. Verse 21, throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God, look at this, or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. He's not talking about the U.S. today in 2022, or is he? Did you catch that downward spiral? How did it begin? They refused to be thankful. Verse 24, this is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. Verse 28. And because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over to a worthless mindset to break all rules of proper conduct. Their sinful lives became full of every kind of evil, wicked schemes, greedy and cruelty. Their hearts overflowed with jealous cravings and with conflict and strife, which drove them to hateful arguments and murder. They are deceitful liars full of hostility. They are gossips who love to spread malicious slander. With inflated egos, they hurl hateful insults at God. There wasn't even social media, and he's writing this back, back then. Yet they are nothing more than arrogant boasters. They are rebels against their parents and totally immoral. They are senseless, faithless, ruthless, heartless, and completely merciless. Verse 32. And although they are fully aware of God's laws and proper order, and knowing that those who do all of these things deserve to die, yet they still go on heading into darkness, encouraging others to do the same and applauding them when they do. You may ask, Pastor Don, does a good, righteous, loving, holy God send people to hell? He don't have to. They get there on their own. Just takes his restraining hand off. And the only place outside of his presence for all of eternity is hell. Can I tell you, hell is real. And people still go there. You remember how all this started? Being ungrateful, being unthankful. I'm gonna put these two thoughts together and then I'll help you see it. God has a plan for you, a direction that he wants you to head. But there's a sinful progression that you'll follow that won't just keep you from getting where God wants you to go. If you're not careful, it will lead you to such depravity in life that God himself will take his hands off of you completely. What's worse than ungratefulness? God removing his hands from your life. 
But in both of those chapters, Paul gives us a tool, a superpower. He equips us. And if you'll get this, it'll change your life. And it's this. If you'll be thankful, not only will you stop that slippery slope and the progression of sinful thinking and behavior in your life, it will put you on a head-on collision to everything that God has for you. The number of things that I would say in my life, I feel like I have fallen head first into God's blessing. Head first, boom. An amazing wife. Y'all, I'm just telling you, I outpunted my coverage. <laughs> Pastor Jacob has said it this way every great man of God marries up. And y'all know me, and y'all know some of these people around here. I married up. And God's word, yes. Yes, I'm married up. How many of you are thankful that your pastor has taken an entire Sunday to make sure that you're thankful? I'm just checking. You can say, thank you, Pastor Don. We need to hear this. You can stick your, your toes back in the aisles a little bit. Some of you intentionally have cringed up on me. Here's some things I want you to know about thankfulness, and then I'll send you home, but you can't have any of my smothered pork chops. Number one. Thanksgiving is something that we have to be taught and something that we have to practice. It's one of the first social behaviors you teach your children, please and thank you. Why don't kids just come out saying please and thank you? Parents, would it make our jobs much easier to do that, right? It's just like you, you have to teach them. You have to work at it. It's like, it's like a muscle, right? I know you look up here and you say, Pastor Don, how do you get to be as swole and strong as, as you are? It's, it's a muscle. It's a muscle. You have to work on it. Thankfulness, you have to, you have to endeavor to be thankful. You have to look at it. Here's some, here's the, you have to say, I'm going to be a thankful person. I'm going to make sure that if anybody says anything about me, they're going to say, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm appreciative. You don't just get there on your own. You have to work at it. It's a muscle. You have to look for the little things. You have to look for the little things. You have to wake outside and smell that cool crisp air and say, God, thank you that I have breath even to breathe today. Thank you for that. You got to write thank you cards. You know they still exist. They still exist. You can buy them. You can, they've got these things called ink pens. Some of them you click, some of them you just take a lid off, but you move it on paper. I know most of you are used to writing like this, but back in the day they used to teach everybody how to do it this way. And I'm telling you, if you will write thank you cards, people will think about you differently. Oh, I could send you a text, hey, thanks for that, I appreciate that. But if you get a handwritten thank you card, you got, you got to be intentional with that. You got to focus on the lesson, not the outcome. I don't like how this happened. I wish this wouldn't have taken place. What's the lesson God's teaching me? You got you to be intentional about that. You also got to spend time around thankful people. And if you say, well, Pastor John, I don't have any thankful people in my life. I got a newsflash for you. You're sitting in a room full of them. Now, you might have to show up a little early or stay a little after in order to meet them, but this is a room full of thankful people. And if you'll spend time around them, you'll start to be a thankful person as well, right? I'm so glad that I'm in a room full of thankful 
people. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Thankfulness will actually guard our emotions. What are you talking about, Pastor Don? You do know that your emotions aren't loyal to you. Has anybody told you that? Like, your emotions won't help you make right decisions. They're disloyal to you. You ever woke up knowing you needed to do something, but you didn't feel like it? Right? Listen, I'm going to help you. Right feelings don't produce right choices. If you wait until you feel like it, you probably won't be doing the things you need to do. But right choices will produce right feelings in your life. You ever done the right thing and you knew it was the right thing even when you didn't feel like it? How did you feel afterwards? Felt pretty good about it, didn't you? I don't want to go to the gym. But every time I do, I feel better. I feel like I needed to. I don't want to go on that walk. I want to walk to the living room. That's where I want to walk. Okay. I didn't ask you if you feel like it. If you'll make that right choice, you'll feel better about it. We've got to stay, stay with this. I'll show you this in Scripture because some of you are like, oh, Pastor Don, that's great. I, I appreciate it. I got the little golf clap earlier. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Doesn't say when you feel like it. Rejoice always. And if he didn't get it the first time, he's going to say it again. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but, and there's that same Greek word again. Y'all know it because y'all are Greek experts now. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With what? Thanksgiving. Don't just pray and supplicate and ask God if you don't have thanksgiving to come with it. He's telling you, it's a formula. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Now watch what happens when you do that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's only natural to want to thank him when everything's going right. It's only natural to want to thank him when we don't have any anxieties, when everything's all good in the world. But let me tell you something. Scripture tells us that thankfulness doesn't come as a result of peace. Peace comes as a result of thankfulness. You find me somebody who's not thankful and I'll show you somebody with no peace. You find me somebody who's just exuding peace all over them, and I promise you that's somebody that's learned to be thankful. They've learned to discipline themselves. They've found that muscle and they've worked it, even when they didn't seem like it, even when it didn't feel like it. Y'all with me today? Number three, thankfulness keeps sinful tendencies at bay. Thankfulness will keep sinful tendencies at bay. It's amazing how ungratefulness will attach itself to desire. I I wanted something and I didn't get it, so now I'm upset about it. And then anything else, it doesn't measure up to what I wanted. Now I'm ungrateful for it. Look at this, James 1, 14 through 17. These, These truths are in scripture if you'll just read it and look for it. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? His own desire. How are we tempted? With our own desires. What does selfish desire bring? Look right here, verse 15. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, 
Look at this. A lot of you knew that verse before. You've heard that before. Look at what's really right next to it, very next verse. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. How do we stop the slide from selfish desire to sin to death? He shows us it's thankfulness. It's recognizing the good things that we already have. I'm going to show you how this works practically. Kayla and I could be at a really nice restaurant, and I notice a beautiful woman walking in. I have a choice I can make. One choice leads to death. I'll just let that sink in for a minute. Men, are you listening? Your pastor's trying to help you. One choice will lead to death. The other choice is to reach over and grab her by the hand and say, thank you, Father, for this gift that you've given me. This precious, precious gift. She is a blessing straight from you. She is good. She is perfect for me in every single way. Pastor Don, you believe that there's one woman for you for your whole life. Listen, the moment I said I do, she became the one for me. And if you'll be thankful, you won't be tempted by your own desires. But sometimes in those moments, you got to stop the slide and you got to reach over and you got to say, thank you, God. Right? Thank you, God, when your kids are driving you crazy. And you're like, I'm done. I'm done. I brought you into this world. I can make another one just like you. I'm, I'm out. Hey, and y'all know that's true in our house. We make them all look the same. I, I've got pictures holding each of them in the delivery room. And if I didn't remember what color shirt I was wearing, I couldn't tell you which kid that is. In the, in the middle of that, I'll make another one look just like you, you watch. And I'll have fun doing it. But I gotta stop and I gotta say, God gave this child to me, so there must be something that he wants me to have and wants me to learn in the middle of this, so I'm gonna let him live for another 24 hours while I pray and harbor on what God is trying to teach me. I'm gonna be thankful in the middle of this. I heard Pastor Jacob say this years ago, I wrote it down in my notes, came across it preparing this. 90% of the temptation I've walked through has come from me being ungrateful for what God has already brought me from. 90% of the things I struggle and I'm tempted with, I've forgotten. God's given me that overcoming already. He's already blessed me with that. I don't have to struggle with that. God, thank you that I don't have to walk in that. Thank you that when I smell that, it doesn't trigger that anymore. God, thank you that you've brought me free from that. God, thank you that I don't have to go there, click there, watch that, do that, be around those people anymore. God, thank you. I'm telling you, it's thankfulness. You can't forget what he's brought you from. And let me take this part just for a second while we're talking about temptation. You don't fight a thought with a thought. I heard a, a pastor once, I think it was Billy Graham, who said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from making a nest in your hair. Right? Pastor Sergio Scataglini said it this way, you can't control the first second. You know what I'm talking about, that 
that first second, but you can control the second second. Some of us sitting there, we're thinking things, and we're like, I'm not going to think that thing, I'm not going to think that thing, I'm not going to think that thing, I'm not going to think that thing. What are you going to do? You're thinking that thing. Don't fight a thought with a thought. Fight a thought with a word. Speak it. You're walking down the aisle and you see that thing that you used to buy at that time of day when you're on your way home from work and you're like, in Jesus' name, that's not who I am anymore. You don't have to think that. Speak it. God, thank you that you've given me a family. I don't have to go there anymore looking for something to medicate what I'm struggling with. God, you've helped me. If you'll start speaking God's word over your thought life, you'll stop thinking the things the enemy wants you to think in the middle. That was free. Lean over your neighbor and say, you can, you can, you can thank him for that later. Gratitude isn't gratitude until it is spoken. Gratitude's not gratitude. I'll say it this way. You ever been talking to somebody and say, I am thankful. You don't get to say I'm thankful until you've actually said I'm thankful. If that's what you feel, then it should come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes we got to sit there and we got to speak it up into our heart in order to be thankful. And I told you earlier, you don't begin at ungrateful, you arrive there. And can I tell you, that's what makes ungratefulness so important. It's a progression. It's a progression. But where it begins may surprise you. Ungratefulness doesn't breed in a place of lack. It actually breeds in a place of abundance. Say that again. Ungratefulness doesn't breed in a place of lack. It actually breeds in a place of abundance. What do you mean? Some of the most grateful people I know don't have much. And some of the most ungrateful people I know have all of their needs met. All of them. They lack in nothing. Abundance and prosperity has a way of causing us to forget where we came from. Remember the hoodie guy in the story I told you earlier? Grandma spent an entire year making him a sweater. Why'd you waste your time on that? I promise you something about him. I don't even know him, but I promise you something about him. He's never missed a meal a day in his life. He probably said that with a cell phone in his pocket, with a roof over his head, and he never once bought any of those hoodies he just happens to be a hoodie guy for. Right? The abundance. You gotta be careful. I read this just this week preparing. God's got a great way of speaking to me when I read his word. Just this week, my normal Bible reading, just my normal devotional life, I came across this passage. I'm telling you, these roots, these truths are rooted in scripture. You've got to find them. Hosea 13, verse 4 through 6. But I'm the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. You knew no God but me, and besides me there is no Savior. It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought, when you had nothing. How many of you, God, found you in a land of wilderness, in a place of drought, when you had nothing? Look at this. But when they had grazed, they became full, they were filled, and then their heart was lifted up, therefore they forgot me. We have to be careful with ungratefulness. Why? Because we're the most blessed and prosperous people on the planet. On the planet. You say, Pastor John, you don't know where I live. Promise you. 
I promise you, there's not a single person in here that wouldn't make the world's top 2% of all wealth. Don't believe me, look it up. It's there. No wonder we're struggling with being thankful. No wonder we're struggling with being grateful. Our abundance has become a breeding ground for ungrateful hearts and unthankful mouths. I'm trying to help you. It's a slippery slope. It's a, it's a progression. You don't believe me? Watch this. It's hard to see my wants when I have needs. But when all my needs are met, now I can see my wants. Focusing on my wants prevents me from seeing my blessings. An inability to see my blessings will cause me to take them for granted. Taking blessings for granted makes me entitled. Entitled people become ungrateful people. Ungrateful people refuse to honor God. And those who refuse to honor God are left to themselves. And those who are left to themselves receive the just reward for their behavior. You might be closer than you think. It's slippery. You got to be careful. You got to work at it. It's got to be intentional. Might I propose an alternative progression for you? You want to see this looking in a different way for your life, something to follow your life? It starts very similar. Look at this. It's hard to see my wants when I have needs. But when all my needs are met, now I can see my wants. Here's the shift. Here's the subtlety. Watch this. The difference is right here. Developing a habit of thanksgiving reminds me of God's blessings. Seeing God's blessings deepens my love for him. Psalm 37.4 will tell me that a deeper love for God changes my wants. Instead of wanting for myself, I now want what he wants. And those who want what God wants receive the just reward for their behavior. It's a choice. It's a muscle. You got to work at it. You got to be grateful. You got to be thankful. You don't just happen. You got to be taught it. But if you can learn it, it'll guard your emotions. It'll keep you from struggling in the sin that you struggle with over and over and over again. I'm telling you, it's a superpower. If you can just be grateful, if you can just be thankful, it'll make a difference in your life. Y'all receive that word today? I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes and nobody looking around, nobody moving around. Just listen to me. And my prayer that as I speak over this next few minutes that you would hear not just my voice, but the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because I told you earlier why this is so important. It's a a slippery slope, especially when you're blessed. And you might not know how close to the line that you are. And you need to ask God to help you see things the way that he sees it. Not the way things work in the false kingdom of man that leads to death, but in the kingdom of God that leads to eternal life. Jesus was having a conversation with a religious person in John chapter 3. And he's talking talking to the guy who wants to see the kingdom of heaven. He wants to enter in. He wants this, this kind of life that Jesus was talking about. And Jesus told him, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. That's not a Pastor Don word. That's not an OSC word. That's a Jesus word. And here's what that means. You won't have eternal life unless your spirit is reborn. John chapter 10, 
Keep your eyes closed. Don't look. I'm just going to read it to you. Let these words wash over your heart. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you were not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And you may be here today, and you may be hearing his voice for the first time. And he's got your attention. You say, Pastor Don, how do I know that I'm among his sheep? How do I know that I hear his voice? How do I know that he's working? My spirit is being reborn. I tell you, it's as simple as A, B, C. You'll hear me say it every week. It's so important. If the Holy Spirit hasn't done a work in your life, you won't be able to A, admit that you're a sinner. Admit that your sin has separated you from a righteous, loving, and holy God. That that apart from a divine intervention, he would take his hands off of you and give you the full just reward for the path that you're headed. You've been deciding for yourself what is right, and you're ready to admit that his way is better. A, admit. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God who was sent to live a life you couldn't live to pay a debt you couldn't pay, and he did it just for you. To think that I could stand before God, not on the basis of my own merit or the things that I did or didn't do, but on the basis of what Jesus himself came to do for me. If the Spirit isn't working in you, you can't admit that. And then see, confess. Confess him as Lord and Savior. When you're desperate, the Savior part's easy but it's that Lord part that trips us up. And if God is working in your life, if your spirit has been reborn, if you're one of his sheep, you'll be able to confess him as Lord. Your way is better. God, I'm gonna follow you in the middle of this. And I don't want anybody to leave here today without knowing that you know that you know that if you died, the first face you would see would be the face of Jesus. That that eternity that God has planned for you is set, sealed, and as sure as his word is true today. If you're here, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna invite you to come up front. I just wanna know who I'm praying with and who I can lead with in this prayer. But if that's you and you wanna be born again, you haven't prayed it before, it's something that only happens once in your life. You say, Pastor Don, will you pray with me to be born again? I want to invite you to lift your hand right now so I can see it. I'm the only one looking. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. In the balcony, I'm looking. Raise your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Those of you that raise your hands, you can put them back down one more time. Don't miss this opportunity. He'll show you how to live the life you hear me talk about today from this stage. If that's you and you want to be included before we pray with everybody else, you, d- you didn't raise your hand before, but you're wanting to raise it now. Raise your hand so I can include you in that prayer. Thank you. I see your hand, young man. Church family, I'm going to leave. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. I see your hand. It's the right decision. It's the right decision. Don't wait till you feel like it. Do it because you know it's the right thing to do. Church, I'm going to lead us in this prayer. You can put your hands down.
And I want to ask every single one of us to pray this prayer together, indicative of the fact that nobody walks through Christianity alone. I want you to repeat this prayer, especially those of you that raised your hands just now. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, can we celebrate with those?